0: the grand music festival that promised an unforgettable experience. However, with tickets often being exorbitantly expensive, I began to explore alternative avenues. This led me down a path that, in hindsight, I should have avoided. It was the start of a strange and unnerving adventure. One day, while browsing various online platforms for Coachella tickets, I stumbled upon an enticing offer. A guy who went by the name of Max was selling a ticket for a price significantly lower than the ones on official websites. My curiosity got the better of me, and I reached out to him. Max responded promptly, seemingly eager to make the sale. He provided me with an address where we could meet, claiming it was a convenient spot for both of us. The catch was that this place was an hour's drive away, but the cost savings made it seem worthwhile. I agreed to meet him, and we set the date for the exchange. The day arrived, and I found myself driving toward an unfamiliar part of town. The address Max had given me led me to a somewhat desolate area. As I neared my destination... I realized I was in for an unusual experience. The meeting spot was an unlit alley, sandwiched between a dilapidated warehouse, an abandoned motel with shattered windows and a railroad with rows of rundown train cars. The place felt eerie, like something out of a horror movie. The area was completely deserted, and an unsettling silence hung in the air. I parked my car hesitantly and texted Max, informing him of my arrival. As I waited, I began to question my decision. What was I thinking meeting a stranger in this eerie place for a ticket to a music festival. Time seemed to slow down, and I grew increasingly uneasy. I peered into the dark corners of the alley, my imagination running wild with all sorts of horrifying scenarios. Finally, a text came in, and I read, I'll be there in a minute. I sat in my car, nerves on edge, clutching my phone. Minutes turned to what felt like hours. And then, just as I was about to give up and leave, I saw a shadowy figure approaching from the dimly lit end of the alley. Max. As he drew nearer, I couldn't help but notice something was off about him. His movements were stiff and his face was obscured by a hood. Every instinct in my body screamed at me to drive away, to leave this place, and forget about the ticket. I didn't need any further convincing. Without a word, I started my car, made a hasty U-turn, and sped out of that dreadful alley, my heart racing. The unease I felt during those moments was unparalleled. I couldn't help but wonder what had almost transpired— I later discovered that my instincts had served me well. I might have been desperate to attend Coachella, but I was unwilling to jeopardize my safety for it. In the end, the ordeal served as a stark reminder that not all offers are worth entertaining, and that sometimes our gut feelings should not be ignored. This is kind of a horror story. I was moving out of my apartment and put my couch up for sale on Craigslist. My roommate had already moved out, and I was nervous about being alone and letting strangers come over to see the couch. There had just been some Craigslist killings in the news, so I hid easily accessible but hidden kitchen knives around the apartment in case I encountered some stranger danger. The people looking at the couch were perfectly nice. And of course, I promptly forgot about the knives and went about my day. I left the apartment and ran some errands all afternoon. Whoops. My landlord decided to bring new tenants to show the apartment, and they were very confused, freaked out when they found large knives in several of the rooms. One in the bathtub, one in the foot of the bed, etc. Landlord was not happy. I sold a stroller and car seat combo. Woman shows up, takes a look at it, calls her husband to ask about some cosmetic work it needs, and if he could fix it. They agree to purchase it and she hangs up with him. She hands me the cash. I showed her how to collapse it and got it into her car for her, and she leaves. Ten minutes later, she shows back up outside my apartment building. I had met her in front of the building. She didn't know my apartment number or anything, demanding I give her her money back because she changed her mind. Then her husband-boyfriend starts texting, calling me, telling me to do the right thing and refund her money. I blocked the number and didn't respond. This happened a few years ago, but it still bugs me to this day. I had just graduated high school, and as a broke-soon-to-be-college student, I needed some extra cash, so I took to selling all of my prom dresses on Craigslist. I received a call from someone who took interest in one of my dresses, so of course I answered the phone. Hello, I was calling about the blue dress you posted on Craigslist. I was a little surprised at the fact that it was a raspy man's voice saying this, but I didn't think much of it. I told him the size and the price, nothing crazy. He said that he and his mother were going on a cruise soon and that they needed fancy cocktail attire for an event on the cruise, which isn't uncommon, so he was calling about the dress for his mother. Then he started asking questions which at first I wasn't too concerned with because if I were buying something that pricey, I would too. Here is a list of the questions he asked in order, and then my responses. Him. What size is the dress? Me. It's an eight but fits more like a six. Him. How does it fit? Up top. Me. Um... Normally. I bought it my size, so I mean, it fits me like it's supposed to. Him. What size bra do you wear? Me. I'm sorry, but that isn't relevant. At this point, I couldn't tell if he was genuinely still trying to figure out for his mother or not and just wasn't good at talking, or if he was just a major creep. I soon get my answer, though. Him. Well, I was just wondering. For my mom? Yeah, no. Me. Yeah, well, your mom should know what size dress she wears before she shops for them. Him. Is it a tight dress? Was it tight on you? Can I see pictures of you in it? Me. Can't even form a sentence before he continues on. Him. And what about panties? Would my mother be able to wear panties? (laughs) If you even wear any with it. I would imagine you didn't. Your voice is so seductive and slutty. Are you a slut? Creepy laughter. At this point, I was so appalled I couldn't even get words out of my mouth. Everything he said came so fast. I quickly told him he was disgusting and to never call me again. I deleted and blocked that number, and deleted my post about the dress and my Craigslist account in general. My wife and I have had the same mattress since we have been married. It is lumpy, dips horribly in the middle, and isn't large enough now that our daughter sleeps on it with us. I know that's dangerous and not recommended at all. But when you go six straight months without more than an hour of sleep at a time you eventually cave in. With that being said, I am always on the lookout for a good deal on a king-size mattress and yesterday, I found one. $125 for a new set and not a cheap one either. Incredible, right? I thought so too. So I called the guy up and asked if it was still available. You know how sometimes they advertise something really cheap because it doesn't exist. To my surprise, it was so I set up for my wife and daughter to go out and take a look at 5 p.m. I would have rather just gone myself instead of dragging my cranky daughter all the way into downtown. But my wife is pretty particular about the firmness of the mattress, so I had to make sure it was comfortable for her. Brian, the guy selling the mattress, said to call when we were on our way so he would know when to meet us at the storage site. I called, but it went to voicemail, so I left one and also texted him to let him know we are on our way. The whole drive there, my wife and I are chatting happily about how great it will be to finally have a new mattress and have our own space in the bed once again. My daughter likes to sleep at a bit of a diagonal so that her hands are touching mommy's shoulder and her feet are touching my leg. It is very sweet and cute, but also incredibly uncomfortable because I have to sleep on the knife's edge of the bed in order to not crush anyone. Dad's out there. I'm sure you can relate. Fortunately, the traffic isn't too bad yet, so we make it right on time. I hate being late to appointments. It is just so unprofessional and inconsiderate, you know. I get out of the car and unstrap my daughter so that she can enjoy the cool breeze and point to all the new things she sees while we wait for Brian to arrive. After about 15 minutes, I walk into the office of the storage facility and ask to see if Brian maybe works there or if the receptionist knows anything about him. She told me that he works for a home staging company for when people try to sell their homes. That is why we can buy the mattress so cheap. It is unpackaged and set up so they can't resell it in a store. She assured me he was a great guy and was probably just running late due to traffic. I was glad I talked to her because I was still having a few doubts about why the mattress was such a good deal, but his line of work made a lot of sense. My daughter and I walked around some more, singing songs and feeling the brick wall of the building and the nylon threads of the American flag swaying in the breeze. She is a very happy, sweet girl and loves to feel new things, so I didn't notice how much time had passed until my wife popped out of the car and asked what was going on. Forty minutes had passed. This guy was ridiculously late. I handed off my daughter so that I could call him up and see what the deal was. This is Brian. Yeah, hi, this is Stephen. We had a 5 p.m. meeting to look at a mattress. Where are you at, bud? Oh yeah, okay. I am 30 minutes away. I'll be there soon. Now, as you know, I hate being late. I also hate when others are late. Seriously? It is 5.35 p.m. and we agreed to 5 p.m., Brian. Don't bother. We are leaving. I told you to call me when you were leaving so that I knew you were coming. This is the first time you are calling me. So now I am coming. What? Look, Brian. I called you when we left our house and I left you a voicemail. I texted you to let you know we were on the highway. We agreed to 5 p.m. and you stood us up. I dragged my daughter and wife out here for no reason and now we have to fight traffic to get back home. Thank you for wasting our time. I hung up before he could get another word in. I was furious. Who sets a time to meet but then doesn't show up until the person calls? Clearly this guy wasn't a real businessman. He called me right back but I ignored it. We needed dinner and showers we had routines to follow, or this baby was going to be up all night. He texted me right after trying to justify his reasoning, telling me I was foolish for not wanting to wait around to save so much money on a $1,000 mattress. Obviously, this guy didn't have kids. I added his number to my spam list so that I wouldn't get any more calls or texts from him, and apologized to my wife for wasting our evening. I work two jobs to make enough for the bills, and we don't have much time together as a family. I feel like a bit of a failure, but my wife always reassures me, thanking me for working so hard. Still, I can't shake the sadness I feel when I come home late and barely get to spend any time with them, so I was extra frustrated with Brian for why I one of my only free evening. Of course, traffic was awful heading back out of downtown, and there were two car accidents because why not add insult to injury? My daughter was starting to get fussy, so I was singing all her favorite songs and making silly faces to keep her occupied. It took over an hour to get home, but once we hit the driveway, everything was forgotten and we all smiled. Home at last. We went through our normal routine of dinner and bath time, and instead of turning on the television, I just played with my daughter until she was ready for bed. It was a nice change of pace. I can't believe how big she is getting. The alarm went off far too early for my liking, but I got up and did my best to crawl out of the dip in the bed without arousing anyone else. Got dressed, packed a lunch, ate a quick breakfast, and I was off to work. The day was pretty uneventful, which was nice because I couldn't keep my eyes open easily. Normally, I get a few calls from my wife during the day and at least one picture showing our daughter doing something silly or new, but I didn't get any of that today. I knew they had a few plans to go to the petting zoo and story time at the library, so I didn't think much of it, although I did miss my daily picture. Wednesday is always a special day because it's food pantry day. At first, we were just embarrassed, but we try to make the best of it by guessing what dessert they will give us. The generosity of people in our area is so amazing. They donate all organic foods, even organic meat. I usually make it home before my wife is done at the pantry, so I tidy up the house and get ready to go out and grab all of the bags full of food. I kicked off my work boots and put my lunch bag away, cleaning up a few dishes in the sink and washing down my daughter's high chair tray as I headed into the bedroom to change into more. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. Comfortable clothes, I stopped dead in my tracks. There, in place of our small, lumpy bed, was the king size mattress on a simple bed frame. It even had sheets on it, nice ones. A few tears gathered at each eye because I realized why my wife never called me today. She was busy surprising me with a new bed. She must have found Brian's ad on Craigslist and went up to meet him on her own while I was at work. What a wonderful woman she is! On the bed was a small, white card. I rushed over to it, flopping onto the bed and taking the card in my hand to read. Dear Steven, I hope you like the mattress. Don't worry about payment. I already took what I needed. Brian. What the hell? I sprang up off of the bed and went to my phone, calling my wife. No answer. No problem. She's probably wrapping up at the food pantry or driving home. She never answers when she is driving home. She never answers when she's driving. I waited 15 more minutes before calling again. She is never this late from coming home. 4.15 at the latest and it was already 4.30. 4.30. I called again, straight to voicemail. I tried not to panic, tried to let my imagination run wild, but I couldn't help it. Was she in an accident? Is she stuck in traffic? Please answer. After another twenty minutes and no response from her, I drove over to the food pantry and found the managing volunteer, just before they closed up for the night. Hey Terry, was my wife here today? Oh, hi Stephen. No, she never came today. I was a bit surprised myself, but I thought maybe you finally found a better job and didn't need to come anymore. I drove home much faster than the law or safety would dictate, praying that her car would be in the driveway, but it wasn't. I tried calling one more time with no luck. Sprinting around the house, I searched for anything strange or missing. That is when I noticed the picture frame on our nightstand. The picture was torn down one side, leaving just me. Tears started flowing down my face, coating my phone as... I dialed 911. Just a quick update or answer of various questions from the comments... First, thank you all for your concern. The local police and I are doing everything we can to try and locate my family. I will let you know as soon as I hear anything positive or negative regarding the case. Secondly, I understand that clue cool can be shady. I have dealt many times with buying and selling without ever having an issue for many years. Please understand I am in a difficult financial position right now, which is why I even looked around for a mattress on Clo. We go to a food pantry every week, so yes, times are tough. I can only do what I can do. So far, we are unsure of how Brian found our home or got in. There was no signs of a forced entry and no record of anyone calling or texting my wife, her calling or texting anyone over the course of the day outside of actual contacts, saved to her phone. She received no emails either. Our neighbors did not notice a moving truck or anything similar come by during the day, but obviously something had to have come by. Still no idea about that either. Update 2. The police have put out my wife and daughter's picture to try and get the word out. I went up to the storage facility to try and talk to the receptionist, but it was a new woman today. She looked up storage units owned by a Brian, and there was not a single unit. Can you believe that? Over 1,400 units and not a single Brian. I mean, it's a common name. I feel like something is getting covered up, so I'm coming back later to snoop around on my own. I also unblocked the number and tried to call, but all I get is a disconnected number message. The police are trying to track it to a house or business, but they aren't telling me much, which worries me more than anything else. Oh, and since so many have mentioned my family being in the mattress, the police took the mattress as evidence. They checked it inside and out for clues. They are not inside it. Part 2. So, like I said in my first post, I unblocked Brian's number and tried to get in touch with him again, but it said it was disconnected. Of course, I gave the number to the police to try and track, but I have yet to hear any news from them, which is incredibly discouraging. They say you only have 48 hours to find a missing person, and I am approaching that number very quickly. I can't. I just can't lose my family. My wife is the sweetest, most loving, and wonderful mother to our beautiful, vibrant daughter. I remember when she was born, and... sorry. I've been thinking a lot about that night. I guess it is the only thing pushing me on. I have to find my family. One of the comments mentioned checking my car for a tracking device. Don't know why I didn't think of it before, so I went out last night before I went to work and after a few minutes of checking, I did find something under the rear bumper on my exhaust pipe. I don't know if it is a tracking device or what, but I turned it in to the police on my way to work. Why didn't they think to check my car? Anyway, I didn't really feel like working much. I was distracted and exhausted. My boss told me to take a few nights off, paid, to clear my head. I couldn't believe it, not because it is out of the ordinary, but he is just a hard ass most of the time I didn't think he had a soft spot on him. I took full advantage of it by heading back up to the storage site to see if I could find anything. Like I mentioned in my first post, I work two jobs, one being warehouse stocking overnight, and during the day, I work for a home security company called Vivint Installing and Servicing Home Systems. One of the neat things we offer is a camera that you can access from anywhere in the world and watch a live stream. Most people use it as a nanny cam or to see what their pets do while they are gone, but I had a great idea. I'd set one up on the roof, and then I could watch it from my work laptop to see if anyone is moving mattresses around. If I could get a visual on the guy, we could catch him. So I headed up to the site and climbed up the backside of one of the buildings that had the humidity-controlled units. According to the receptionist, they only have 24 of these units, and since they're selling a ton of mattresses, I figured that is a unit they would need to have. There were cameras all over the place, so I couldn't get a perfect angle or see the whole row of units, but I was able to place it in such a way that I could see about two-thirds of them. Not ideal, but better than nothing. The camera is tiny, so I wasn't worried about anyone finding it, and I know it can run for over six months on a fresh battery. Since I don't have anywhere to sleep at home, I decided I'd just recline the seat in my car and try to snooze a little while keeping an eye on the footage. Now, I know a lot of you are probably thinking there is no way Brian is ever coming back to that place. And while I agree with you, what else can I do? I have to have hope to believe they are still alive and unhurt. It is the only thing keeping me going, I'm sure you can understand that. I must have actually fallen asleep because a train horn startled me and I jerked up, knocking the laptop off of my lap. The train was moving pretty slowly, even slower than most around here and there was a van and a few cars waiting at the crossing. It took a moment to remember where I was and rub the sleep out of my eyes. It was 3 a.m. I rewound the footage in triple speed to see if anyone had shown up during the hour and a half that I was laying there, And only 20 minutes before a 15 passenger van showed up just inside the frame of the camera. It was hard to tell, but I'm pretty sure it was the receptionist that was there the day we came to buy the mattress. Two guys were hauling mattresses out of the back of the van and into one of the units. I started to get excited. I had him. I found him, then I got sick to my stomach. From inside of the unit came five women, most of them older, but one was pretty young. I couldn't see their faces because of the distance from the camera, but I could see that they were chained together and gagged with something. One of the guys gave something to the receptionist lady, most likely money, and they piled into the van and drove off. Wait, I thought. Didn't I just see a van? I looked up and the train was gone, the cars that were waiting now far off in the distance. I turned on my car and took off after the fading taillights, praying I'd be able to catch up and hope they hadn't already turned off somewhere. I grabbed my phone and called the police, telling them everything that transpired and where I was, direction I was heading. They told me to pull over and to stop following, but screw that. I floored it even more and tried to close the distance. Pretty soon I heard sirens from several different directions, but I'd lost sight of the van, or maybe never had sight of it. When I finally caught up to the taillights I was chasing, they belonged to a Corolla or something. About that time, my phone went off. It was the police. They had found the van. I drove my way over, only a few blocks east of where I was, hoping for good news. When I got there, they had two men in cuffs in the back of a squad car, which left soon after. Five women were laying on gurneys being tended to by medical staff, but none were my wife or daughter. I was relieved, happy, thankful that they were safe, but also devastated. Where was my family? After interrogation, or whatever of the men and the women that were saved, it was determined that they would have been sold as slaves, human trafficking. The police are still looking for my family, of course, but they aren't acting very positive about the whole thing. I just left my day job because my boss caught me still watching footage of the unit and told me to just go home. I know it sounds stupid, but what else can I do? I can't eat or sleep or even think without feeling the need to vomit. My family slaves, sold to some freak that will do God knows what to them. My 11-month-old daughter. So beautiful, so innocent. Daddy is going to find you, update. So far, no one has come back to that unit other than police. I watch them drag everything out, sick to my stomach. I watch their cars drive off full of evidence. Everyone seems to have vanished that was connected to this aside from the two guys that were arrested. They haven't given up any information from what the station is telling me. I don't know why, but I started to browse Craigslist the end to see if any new ads were put up similar to the one I had responded to. I didn't find anything, but I did remember a few stories I'd heard about the deep web, dark web, and how human trafficking goes down on those sites. I dove headfirst into that awful area of cyberspace trying to find anything that could help me find my family. The things I found only made me that much sicker and more worried about my family. Who could do such things to fellow human beings? I know we are in a sick, confused world, but oh, I will just stop there. I don't want to upset anyone by the things I saw. After an hour of searching, I was about to give up when I found something hosted by Bamakee. I had seen it before and passed it by, but looking at it again jogged my memory. The only reason it stood out to me at all is because of the Craigslist ad. Brian had called himself the Mattress King. It is a pretty standard claim, to be fair, but I didn't think I could pass up an opportunity, even if it wasn't him. I responded to it with an old email I hadn't used since probably high school and got a response almost immediately. $5,000 cash for a female. $4,000 for a male. Discounts for age. An address to meet at and a time. When I plugged the address in, I was surprised to see how close it was to the storage facility. One of your comments was right. They kept operations close. Obviously, I don't have the cash, but I have a gun. What Midwesterner doesn't? I am on my way right now. I don't want to be late. Final update. So as I said, I like being early, and I figured my old pal Brian would be late to this arrangement. I got there an hour ahead of time to scope out the place and find a good spot to take him out. I found a nice loft where I could overlook the big open factory floor. I parked my car a ways away at a thrift store parking lot and walked to it with a guitar case. Hiding my twenty-two. I guess they would probably have a few people out front waiting for me to come in and Brian inside with the lineup of women. Fortunately, I guessed correctly. A total of six armed people showed up, four taking positions somewhere outside. Brian and the receptionist stood inside with 20 women. My heart skipped a beat when I saw my wife among them. I almost cried out right then and there, but I stifled it in time. I took careful aim and busted Brian's knee with the first shot. I'm assuming he went into shock because he dropped and laid there moaning for the entirety of my visit. My next shot took out the receptionist as she ran. The girl started screaming right away, obviously not knowing what was going on. A guy from outside came in, but I was already back outside on my way down. I've never been happier than right then about my granddad forcing me to go hunting every year and earn my dinner. It was paying off. It was then that I called the police. I waited until sirens were nearing before I shot the next two guards in the leg. Suffer for your sins? I made my way inside and used one of the guard's handguns to finish Brian and the other guy with him after I let him see my face. I don't think my wife even noticed me until I put my hand on her face. I'm not sure where the last one ran off to, but he didn't bother us as I unlocked the women and hugged my wife. Where's my baby? Is she okay? She just shook her head. We cried, oblivious to the police filtering in.